Hello, and welcome back. For this week's podcast, we are joined for the second time by Chinedo Mogbo, founder of the Green Fingers Wildlife Conservation Initiative based in Lagos, Nigeria. Chinedo manages his own wildlife rescue and rehabilitation centre, currently responsible for 54 different species. He details the cultural and economic challenges conversationists face in Nigeria, including the current ethnic and religious tensions that can make his work treacherous at times. Please forgive the poor connection that points to this recording, as it was made at long distance from London to Lagos over limited bandwidth. If you like this episode and would like to follow more on this project, please follow the links in the description. If you'd like to support us, you can make a donation at restoreplant.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome back to Restore a Plant Podcast with me, your host, Jack Cole. So today we're celebrating episode 30 uh, with an old friend, Chinedu Mogbo from Lagos. So welcome, Chinedu. Um, let's start by uh, giving us some updates, what you've been up to since we last spoke in the past year. And yeah, it's good to have you. Hey, good to be here, Jack. And um, it's always a pleasure um, being here to talk about the things really that do um, we do find very, very dear and close to our heart. And um, yes, it's been a while. I mean, it's been, I think, over a year. And I think I remember, if I can remember, we were like guest number three or two at that, at that time. And it's so awesome to see how far, um, you know, you've come with, with this. I mean, for us, with respect to how far we have gone on or the progress we've made so far, um, I'm quite impressed. Um, I'm quite grateful also because of the things we've seen and the trends we've actually um, witnessed. We, as a, as a, and a few of them I'm going to mention, like I remember as of last year, we had just started working with um, pangolins. So what we'll do is that we'll get the pangolins from the wildlife um, trade, we'll bring them in. Um, the pangolin wouldn't really stay with us for that long. About the maximum a pangolin will stay with us was about two weeks or 14, 14 days before it goes back into the wild. And most of those pangolins didn't really need any form of intervention because we, there was really no um, means of providing some form of um, medical kind of inter intervention. But um, so far this year, uh, we've been able to work with pangolins for even longer. And basically we, um, like for example, since January, I've been working with a few pangolins up till date, um, till now, this is how we're, we're in October. So we've basically had some pangolins for about 10 months now um, because we're able to um, learn about their formu formula, which we can use to sustain them, especially the babies. So now we can work, we have work, we've been working with some babies for a very, very long period of time. And um, now we, are, we, we, we just hope when we, when we work with them, we ensure that they get to a certain minimum weight before they are actually taken back into the wild. Now, the essence we're doing this is just to ensure that these pangolins have a better chance of survival out there in the wild. So we ensure that we take them through a proper rehabilitation process. So that's been the success we've, uh, we've been recording when it comes with them um, to pangolins. And also we've started, um, we also this year, we started working with different other kinds of species. There's been a lot of turtle, I mean, sea turtle rescues and releases. We've also had, we started working with the African gray parrot. It's also another endangered species um, that is highly threatened here in, uh, in, La in Lagos, um, Nigeria. And we're able to collaborate with the, the government on that one because the government needed a place to, the government needed a place to um, 
meet. I mean, we needed a place to take this um, wildlife, and they were, able, were lucky enough that they were brought to us, and we started the process of rehabilitation. And uh, we hope that um, that basically is going to continue. Um, we've also been successful in working with other kind of um, some other kind of wildlife species. I mean, the vultures are there, although we are trying to track better progress with them. Um, besides all those, um, we, we were able to discover new species. I mean, species I never even knew that existed before in Nigeria. Um, we had the white-throated genon, which is a very rare monkey found here in Nigeria. We rescued those ones. Um, then that's passed on the wildlife rescues and some other kind of primates, and we've been raising them. Then on the other side, when it comes to the educational aspects, We've taken, um, we decided to take it, uh, bump it up in, um, a notch this time in um, in the kind of approach we, we had to take when working with, in, when doing wildlife education, because uh, wildlife education is actually very, very, and I think that's basically, basically been the problem we've had here in Nigeria, that the, the issue of wildlife education is almost non-existent. Um, and even if, because I'm also a teacher, I also teach and I look at the curriculum, um, the educational curriculum that Nigeria has, um, in, especially within the sciences, wildlife, uh, anything, education on wildlife is very, 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 almost very, very little, almost non-existent because even some of the information that they have there are outdated information that, um, especially when they talk about their national parks, a lot of these national parks are now under so much threat and almost are non-existent. The animals don't even exist there anymore. And um, these have not been updated even in some of the books. And also other kind of wildlife that are found in Nigeria, but there is no there's no connection from that information to what we have in the educational system. So there's a very great um, disconnect between what is basically written in the books and what we have um, actually on ground. So we have been able to take different kind of approaches and actually looking at how we can also get these young people, young people to begin to speak about it, to be excited about wildlife issues and to be also lending their voice or uh, their voices to, do, to, to, the, to the course as well. And we started with the, um, what we call um, the, the race for wildlife, which was a kind of like a fun run where a lot of young people, over 100 young people came out just to run, just to have a friendly marathon race so that they can raise awareness about some species that are already getting extinct here in Nigeria. We had the Play for Pangolin campaign, which was a kind of like a football competition where we had to get young people to also come out to um, play football just to raise awareness concerning um, wildlife here. I mean, pangolins, especially during the World Pangolin Day, here in Nigeria, and we've been doing other things, going into schools, trying to educate them on these, um, on our wildlife and issues surrounding our wildlife. Um, and we're also grateful that this year is the tenth year. Tenth year we've been working with um, wildlife here in Nigeria, and um, the sanctuary started in 2012, in November 2012. And um, this year we always, and every year we celebrate. Um, what we call a Green Fingers Day, which basically brings it's an event that just gathers a lot of young people, hundreds and hundreds of young people, wildlife enthusiasts, brings them together. Then uh, we have, have kind of like seminars, uh, programs, just to um, ensure that people 
are aware that something is being done for wildlife here in Nigeria. And those are the um, things we, we've, we've been doing over the past years. And this year we'll be celebrating the 10th year anniversary. And uh, even talk about the, the progress I mean, because the sanctuary, when we started the sanctuary in 2012, we did start with quite a few um, species. But right now we have about 54 different species within the sanctuary already. Uh, and these different species, I mean, we also have to be able to learn to understand these, each species, understand its unique, what their unique requirements are, and ensure we're able to provide for them. Um, and I will always say it's, it's, it's always a process that we have to keep learning every day because we, we do lack capacity here in Nigeria. And um, through much research, learning online, getting information from other people, we're able to, um, to do that. And the award also, um, this year also, I think in August, um, we had the Art of Living coming to Nigeria for the first time with their, um, their, their leader. Um, their leader came into Nigeria for the first time and we were selected as one of the organizations to receive an award for humanitarian um, um, uh, um, award, which was actually presented to us by a former president of the country. I mean, this was actually for us a huge honor. It was presented for, by one of the former presidents of Nigeria, which who also is one of the, I'd say, the only person that is, that's been at the forefront of conservation issues, even in Nigeria. And receiving that award from him was, was really, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was mind-blowing because I, 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 I had only dreamt of it, but I never thought that I'd actually uh, even get to meet with him, even talk less of being presented an award um, for, for our work with wildlife here in Nigeria. So yes, that, that's basically been a bit of an update so far. Fantastic. Great way to start. Congratulations. Thank um, you. So, so tell us a little bit about sort of, well, you mentioned how things progressed. How have you found sort of networking, collaborations, branching out a little bit with the wider community in conservation and wildlife and perhaps abroad? And also, you before we start recording, you mentioned, you know, some incidences you've had with NGOs that might not be as should we say effective or even perhaps exploitative um so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, that side of things okay um well, with respect to collaboration first i always say that in nigeria we do and i always keep emphasizing that we do lack the capacity um but and because i've been able to make i mean okay but i'll tell you a bit about i mean within the Niger the nigerian sphere the nigerian culture and the nigerian ecosystem when it comes to conservation um, I, I belong to a group of people, a group of, um, we are called, actually, actually called the Friends of Wildlife Nigeria. Now, these are people who, um, this was put together by the British consulate here in Nigeria. Um, different people that are everybody actually um, known to be into conserve, wildlife conservation in Nigeria. They were brought together as a group. We've met occasionally. Um, We've met different on several occasions on different on different occasions and different events, but um, I haven't. There is there's really no person. Um, I, I have one vet doctor who is doing some work um, has an animal shelter, but I we don't have people who are actually doing the same thing. So you have a lot of, for example, the WCS is there, the Nigerian Conservation Foundation, which 
is one of the, then you have government bodies, you have people from the media who are into, interested in this. But when it comes to the kind of work we do, having a wildlife sanctuary, I mean, we do a lot of um, organizations here. I mean, there are a lot of places here that they have zoos, um, like they are Zoom zoos, they are privately owned zoos, they are um, government owned zoos, but um, those are just um, business as usual. I mean, the real idea of conservation is not what, what they do. We, we do wildlife rescues, rehab, and release. Although we are not, we are, and we are not funded by the government, this is a, um, it's more or less a, something I had decided to take on by myself and run with it. So it's, it's, these are the challenges. These are some of the things we, we do. I haven't seen people doing exactly the same thing because if we had a network of people doing this same thing, we would collaborate on ideas or how do you take care of this species um, but most of these, then we have another group of people who tend to the animals in the wild. So that's basically they maintain the um, some kind of habit, they maintain some kind of habitat, ensure the um, maybe for example prime bigger primates um, conservation where the animals are still in the wild, and they do those kind of um, work per se. Um, so it's more or less species focused. With what they some of the things they do is more species focused. Now it's it's not a case of oh there's an animal in this case, in this area, um, and we set out running there to go um, get the animal. It, this 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 we, we don't we don't have much of that. If I haven't seen any yet happening here in Nigeria, so but we meet and discuss on some of the issues. I talk about what we do, and when it comes to education, I'm able to get some of them to collaborate with us to see how we can help also in promoting education. But some of them all will give you some kind of restrictions. Um, like I know the WCS is located in this is, is located in the south um, southeast of Nigeria, and this and they all I will always whenever I reach out to them they will tell me oh their support doesn't come towards the southwest where I basically decide that their their support is only limited to the south um, to the southeast. I mean to southeast eastern part of Nigeria and. Um, and we have to seek for just kind of uh, any kind of supports elsewhere. So that's the respect to collaboration. But they, 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 the British consulate, the British consulate here in Lagos, they have been very, very supportive about um, with, with, with our work in trying to help promote, trying to help um, create opportunities for support where we can get, if possible. Um, but those are the ways that we've been able to deal with such, such form of um, um, collaborations. Um, then we, I do have um, certain kind of groups online. I am in contact with the Johannesburg Wildlife Veterinary Services online. So whenever I have any kind of issues, because we do have similar animals actually. Um, so I, I write to them, they respond. Um, Carly is also available. And most of the time, if I have any animals similar to what she's had, especially when, when we deal with hedgehogs and some of the animals she's basically seen, we communicate. She also um, supports um, when we when it comes to raising some form of um, kind of getting some kind of supplies that we need. She helps us also in trying to get those kind of things and brought down to um, to Nigeria um, to ship it down to for us here in Nigeria, which will also help our work. Um, but we've also had some kind of we've also experienced some form of um, um, I would I would call it. Um, 
um, bad, bad, bad kind of collaboration. And no, I mean, just literally very Sorry to interrupt you very quickly. You just quickly mentioned that's Carly Allen, who's based in the UK, who's does fantastic work with similar stuff to you, sort of rescuing wildlife, rehabilitation. Um, she works for she's the founder of Gabo Wildlife, um, and she's always you know posting stuff online. And one of the reasons she currently isn't actually with us, we were trying to get her on this podcast at the moment, is because she's been getting up at three a.m. Uh, to basically um, help stop. Uh, you know, fox hunting. She gets a really brave, incredible lady. So you just to you mentioned Carly, just to plug her and her work. Um, and I'll also put a link to her work in the description. But sorry to interrupt. You're about to start um, talking and describing some of the um, bad experiences that you've had collaborating with some international NGOs whose, uh, should we say, motives perhaps might not be um, you know, best aligned. So please, sorry, go ahead. Okay, so um, we've had some of these. Um, so we had one that came into Nigeria with the, with the intent to um, save some animals from um, from the from one zoo that the animals have basically been um, been abused. Um, so we, we, I mean, they they, looked, they found us and they signed an MOU that if they get the if we get the animals, they'll be responsible for the support. Um, feeding of these animals, and we would also take charge of um, caring for the animals. And we decided we're fine with that because we wanted to care for these animals also. So we we proceeded, and um, there was a so she, because we were working with pangolins before then, we decided to the this the company also wanted us to share some of the work we do with them, and we did that. So she we put out some of the. Um, so when we rescued the pangolins, um, they, they gave us their T-shirts, logos, so we should make T-shirts. And so I, I could see a lot of um, branding coming into place. I mean, they, they, they want their brand logo to show. I mean, I was, we were fine with all that because the animals were getting the care that they wanted. Um, up until the point it became highly controlling, um, they, 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 the owners became, or the owner became highly controlling, would not want us to associate with people, with certain kind of people, especially uh, maybe previous people that worked with them, previous employers that they had had before. Um, so she came down to Nigeria to have a photo, I mean, a, a film with a film crew, wanted to video some of the, the, the markets, some of the places we went to, we, we do some of our work. And we were kind enough to take her to those places. Um, but we could see um, a lot of um, negative negativity when it comes to working or collaborating with others. For example, we would not, she, the person would, um, she would refuse us to collaborate with any other person except her so that she would be the sole person getting the credit for that kind for maybe working with pangolins. We didn't care because our names were not, um, I've, I've gone through all some of her posts, all her posts on um, on pangolin rescue or pangolin um, work in uh, online on her, uh, on, the, on their page. And yes, not, uh, not any of our, our names were never mentioned, what we were doing were never mentioned. And still we didn't care about that. But I think it became, when it became so controlling that we, we were, told not to associate with any other person. So it just has to be. Then, then it became a problem. You were, you, were, you were made to cater for the animals, which you also didn't do as 
it was determined as planned or as as signed in the MOU. But we were still okay with that. Now, um, by, so because of all that negativity, we decided to end the MOUs, cut it off. Because, I mean, we, we could see somehow you would raise a lot of money for using for a cause, for example. Um, we will rescue a cat, a cat from the wildlife market. We will rescue a kitten that was going to be used for um, what um, for was going to be used for traditional purposes. And um, we will take the kitten to the vet, and the vet will say this is the amount of money that needs to be paid. Um, you raise, you take it online, you raise thousands and thousands of euros of money for that. But the vet was never paid. The vet will never be paid. The animal will be in the possession of the vet. The vet will not want to release the animal because you don't want to pay the vet fees. I mean, it's, 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 you, you are saying something, you're doing something, but you're not, it's not, it's not being reflected. I mean, as far as we're concerned, it's to, to us, it, it's, it seemed to be fraud. And we didn't want to be a part of that kind of association or that kind of fraud because we, we, we know here, down on the ground here in Nigeria, we know what, what we face on a daily basis and we know what we do. As an NGO in a different part of the world, we know what is, what's, um, um, what, uh, what avails to you. We know what comes to you. We know it might be easy for you to raise funds or do what you have to do. But we are the people on the ground here and we are the people that are doing the work that is that, that has to do with wildlife, but taking pictures or using pictures and saying this is what you're doing when is in fact it's not what is being done or it's not the truth, then I feel that is cheating the people, cheating the your your, your followers and deceiving them into believing that this is what you're doing when it isn't. So these are the things we decided not to be a, a part of anymore. Um, yes, the NGO we, we had to make expansion of cages. There are certain things we did while here, while the NGO, well, while we're working with them, which they did, which they, they had to pay for. And yes, they did that. But when it came to the animals and the work of the animals, I mean, we felt it was not going properly. And we also saw that um, because of that controlling nature, and yet I will still talk about it on my on, on, on LinkedIn, but um, I haven't done that yet. But when we see, when we saw the controlling nature, we felt we had to call it quits. And not only that, so she felt, the owner of the NGO felt it was um, because we have cut them off, let them find a way to sabotage us. And they wrote to the federal government of Nigeria and um, under the, the federal ministry that we are not, I mean, after we've cut you off, that we are not supposed to be doing what we're doing. We are causing problems with mismanaged funds. She said quite a lot of things in a letter to the federal government so that they can come maybe and shut us down or completely maybe end so that they can stop our work. But luckily, this was given to me by somebody who works within that same federal government. Um, that this is um, what was sent to them. But they, because they have visited us, because they know what we do, because we, I, as, as, as I earlier explained, the work we are doing with the parrots is with the federal government because they know what we are and how credible we are. They said they know that this. They just wanted to ask, and so this is a problem. And I mean, that was just basically dispelled. But it's the act and the actions that were taken that basically shows the kind of person this person is. I mean, this. this so these were the bitter, or this is the bitter experience, especially with, I have I have had when dealing with such kind of organizations. And I've seen it now everywhere.
I've seen that is the same thing that is happening in other. She, this same person is doing in other parts of Africa. I mean, they are they are the, uh, the you have the lion, the can lions that are happening in South Africa. These lions are being bought, but it's been but it's been told that they are being um, they are being rescued. But no, they are being bought and being transported to other places. You have the the chimpanzees, you have other things, the elephants. I mean, there's no real actual work. Because conservation work is not, I believe conservation work is not just maybe taking a picture with the animal or seeing somebody caring for the animal and think that that's just where the work is. It's not there. It's the daily care. It's the daily protection. It's going against all the odds every single day. The work we have to put in to ensure these animals are safe. But because you don't see the person, such a person doesn't have an understanding and feels that, oh, let's just raise money. Let's just raise funds. It's, it's putting a bad name on even us here in Nigeria because you feel because Nigeria has like a reputation of corruption of being of people that are, a lot of people are being corrupt. So when we when you try to portray that thing back there, we, we, we don't want to stand for it. And really it's also a hesitation for us as an NGO too to really reach out there to see how we're going to get the proper help that we need. It's actually been very, very difficult. So those are the bad experiences we've had, and um, it's it's really left a, a sour taste in our in in our mind when it comes to um, any kind of person just coming to take our work here and using it as as theirs um, online or different kinds of social media platforms. Is that widespread? Sorry, sorry, I was just saying, is that widespread that phenomena? Is it happening everywhere? variety of different ngos and stuff or do you think that was more of a one-off thing well for me for me actually this one this is the first one i have seen this is the first i have seen i have not had any kind of experience with any other organization but you see um and to be very candid with you i know there's a lot of these kind of things happen i'm not even saying the nigerian on the nigerian side is better there are a lot of nigerians also that um would take um that kind of information. I mean, they, they will put out something that they are doing when, in fact, they are not actually doing it and say they are doing it and use that and get a lot of money, you know, and exploit organizations even abroad. I'm saying I'm, and that happens. But I know I can only speak for myself and what I have seen. And from what I've seen with this particular NGO um, and in Nigeria and for us and our work here in Nigeria, it's basically um, nothing to write home about, and I, I, I it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely um, uh, left the south. It's basically what, what the same thing. I just feel it's the same thing a regular Nigerian would, um, a Nigerian that has the mindset of corruption would do, and I feel that's exactly what that NGO was doing, and it's not of a Nigerian. It's not a Nigerian origin, but um, you will see that if such person speaks. Um, if such person speaks, they would believe, I mean, the whole, the narrative is like, oh, it's a white person. I feel it's a white person speaking. So they are more trustworthy than what a Nigerian basically or a Nigerians would. And I mean, I feel it's, from what I've, what I've experienced, it's basically the same thing. And it's, 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 if people really, people, a lot of people are cashing out and I want to use that word cashing out, using wildlife as a means of doing that. And you can clearly see that there's nothing being done, but they're just using maybe pictures of this because they can they can appeal to simple sympathy. Um, 
people um, they can get sentiment, gather sentiments and they exploit people when in fact you cannot see the work that is being done. One thing I must say is that when she came to Nigeria, when she came to Nigeria, I noticed how she would take out, she would take up um, a lot of, um, she would take her, her picture or her logo and put behind her, that, and that's what I was seeing a lot um, within our center and be doing certain, for example, feeding the pangolin. Um, and that was the first time she's ever done that. And maybe she did it for like a day or two, but she got enough footage to say that this is what she does on a regular basis, and it's it's not it's it's definitely not it, and um, that's that's one of the negative experiences with collaboration we've had, yeah, um, and that and that really has been it. Okay, all right, very insightful. So stepping back a little bit, could you tell us sort of a bit more, at the sort of risk of being quite sort of speaking quite broadly, what is the general state of conservation in Nigeria. Now, by that I mean, what are some of the kind of the highlighted species that really need to be more, or to receive more focus and attention at risk of extinction? And um, and also you mentioned that you now have, I think, 54 species at your sanctuary, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so t tell us perhaps, um, have you seen any latest trends of new species that have been coming in that have come under threat or, or any surprises or what's it more of a, as I say, a step back, sort of looking in, state of conservation in Nigeria? Okay, um, because of where our sanctuary is located, there are certain kind of species we cannot work with. Now, I'm talking about things like um, lions, for example. Lions are another species that are, we know that are in great um, danger. I mean, they are under threat. And um, so lions is one of them, but we don't work with lions. So, but they're one of the major key species here that, that do attract a lot of attention. The next are elephants. Um, we have the elephants, we have the um, chimpanzees, we have the gorillas. Now those are the big ones. I mean, these are the ones that are very conspicuous and they are almost on every every international NGO's watch list. But the ones, but unfortunately, the ones we work with are not the ones that are really out there, but yet they are still highly threatened. I mean, they are some of them, a lot of them are on the endangered list under the threatened species according to IUCN. And, um, but there's really not much being talked about when it comes to them. Now, I mentioned one of the species here, which is the um, white-throated genon. It's a primate. It's a smaller primate, smaller than the chimpanzee, but it's under threat. It's, it's, it's actually an endangered species. And we have been working with this, um, with this, with this animal. What I've gone through, by the time I've, you know, going online and checking out what people, other people are doing, I haven't seen people working with this animal or with the other kind of animals, like for the eagles we work with here, some of the raptors. Um, we have the Batelier eagle, which is also endangered. We have um, some other kinds of eagles, um, vultures. Okay, we do have organizations that work with vultures, Volpro. I know Volpro in South Africa works with, does good work with, um, with vultures. And I've been in contact with them also concerning our vulture and what we should do about them. So those are some of the major key species that smaller ones that need a lot of attention. And some of those are some of the ones we have. Even the African grey parrot also is another species that is under that is endangered, and still we, we still have those ones within our care, and we are still um, doing all we can to ensure that they are numbered. But because remember, and I always say that. 
we are we are this is this is actually something that I decided to do um and I can I can category um speak here confidently saying we are not even getting any form of funding from anybody whatsoever or anyone any organization so this has been done by um myself and a lot of friends we have around that do help us um with little with donations um as the case may as as the case may arise now um so that those are the species we've been able to work with and that's the plan for the future is to by the time we get a bigger space and a, a, a bigger environment we can able to integrate some of these other because they are out there and the threat to face also is quite glaring and we want to also be at the forefront of helping helping those ones also but what we lack right now is this is the is kind of like the space or the environment to be able to accommodate them because they too have um, a lot of a lot of challenges that they're facing okay all right so of course species you've of course mentioned the different climates and things there also i'm sort of uh at a distance aware of the sort of civil conflict or at least sort of between sort of ethnic conflict or religious conflict that's, that's taking place in Nigeria, I believe, from sort of poorer, more central and then sort of south and more coastal. I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit to that, sort of explain to someone, an outsider who wouldn't, who wouldn't know much about it and what sort of influence this might have on habitat protection or, or, or habitats themselves. Are they being exploited because of of these of these tensions and what other schools does that then have for people such as yourselves who are trying to you know get involved and really try to uh, you know help conserve these environments and save these species um so the i mean in nigeria the conflicts are quite many <laughs> we have the religious conflicts which is happening we have the um the influx of people that are not nigerians coming into nigeria and also, like those basically, when we talk about people like the ISIS and all those other, well, which is still which may still fall under the uh, religious um, conflict, then you have the problem with poachers. I mean, like uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call them. Yeah, poachers. I must, I, I would say poachers, and those ones also cause a lot of conflict, especially with with people who protect the this forest, the rangers, and they can also be very overwhelming to the to to, to towards those people. Then you have, um, so those are basically the major ones. And now how does this really affect us? Okay, for example, when we have um, most of the, especially within the, in the North, the security issues with these kind of religious conflicts um, and because of the rate of the, the state of the nation, um, the economic state of the nation, there's a lot of kidnapping now happening almost everywhere, um, especially within the North. There's a lot of kidnapping. Sorry, just a minute. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of kidnapping happening in many parts of the country and we are seeing that it, and it, it becomes a very difficult kind of situation for example we do have animals within the sanctuary that we want to that have to be released in certain areas for example um, there are a lot of animals most of the animals we even have here are coming from the north because of the destruction there's a lot of um problems happening there so habitats have been taken over a lot of these people go into the forest to build camps the animals are basically being hunted and killed for um, whatever reason so 
there's a, so those animals are being brought down here from the south. So we rescue them all, all the way from north down to the south. Now, those animals are not um, endemic to the southern part of Nigeria. So they have to always find, we have to always have to find a way to get them back there. But it's been almost impossible because, and it's almost been impossible because of the kinds of um, threats which we face. I mean, take, try to um, imagine taking an animal to be released and you're being kidnapped um, on the road. So that those kind of things pose problems for us as, and in the kind of work we do. So we now find out we have to keep an animal way longer than it should even be um, uh, be in, in, in our care. And that is also a problem. Now, some of our, um, because of this kind of crisis and because of this kind of conflict, there's been a, there's been a lot of problems when, it, when we talk about feeding or trying to get the animal, what the animals need. So for example, most of the things we use come from the North also. So um, because of this kind of conflict, the prices of things have gone up because the difficulty in transportation to bring them down. And these are some of the um, challenges this kind of conflict um, have brought. Now, with respect to this, in the forest where, and most of these forests that are still existent are labeled as national parks. Now, the national parks here in Nigeria are places that supposedly, they're supposed to be the conservation areas here in Nigeria. But most of these bandits have infiltrated these parks and have used them as a hideout. Now, you find out even within those kind of places, you have a lot of um, deforestation happening. The woods that are being supposed to be put there are being sold, are being exported and taken out uh, of the country. Um, people can't really give, get an account of what really we have there or what is really happening there. So the habitat is being lost at, a, an, at an alarming rate. All right. Now, this, although this is also due to corruption in different aspects or different areas, but these are the different kind of conflicts and challenges that these kind of um, situations expose or pose for Nigerians. And definitely, it's not, um, I, I, we don't even see it going away anytime soon. And one of the things also we've also observed, and a lot of things, a lot of this information are actually quite underreported. You have um, a lot of wildlife, human wildlife conflicts also happening. Um, the elephant population in Nigeria has almost been depleted now because of the regular conflicts with farmers and the, the elephant raiding cr crops. There's not much intervention being done in those kind of areas. And these are things that still go away um, um, on, under, uh, without um, underreported. Those are some of the challenges that these these things basically bring to us. And and has the recent conflict in Ukraine has that exacerbated issues? Is that some is that connected in any way with regards to energy and supplies and therefore your work and conservation and and otherwise? Oh yeah, yeah. I believe all this I believe, I believe this conflict has definitely affected. Um, the price, I mean, the, the the rate of the dollar, the rate of the of the, the the economic rates of currencies all across the world. Now, especially here in Nigeria, once there's a fluctuation in any of those currencies, like once the price of dollar, for example, changes, it affects everything. I mean, you would it wouldn't be so surprised because we don't. This almost we are almost a non-product, non-producing state, almost a non-producing state. Everything we, we need or everything we have is imported. 
and to import something basically means that you have to work with dollars or you have to work with this kind of amount now of this kind of with this kind of currency and because of that fluctuation now everything the price of everything has changed um even what would use um if what would use when we think of an animal and how much we're going to cater for such an animal that has changed now because the prices have gone up i told you about earlier i mentioned about the milk issue and bringing it in it is expensive now even if you try to buy it here in nigeria the food of the animals also because they are not locally made because there's really not much emphasis on that it's not no local production of any of these uh, things and even the things that you would expect that should be even done properly, for example, um, maybe, maybe maize, um, offals, certain things, basic things that should even be here, gotten, I mean, cheaper here in Nigeria. But because of this, um, I'd call it inflation or because of inflation, because of this increase in dollar price, um, everything basically has gone up and it's, it's, it's straining it's training our work. It's really causing a lot of strain to our work. And remember that as the number of, as a population, uh, our wildlife number, I mean, species number is increasing, we are also trying to, we are also getting hands, local hands. We are also trying to work, help employ people who would also help support the work. Those people also need to be paid. You know, so that's, and like I said earlier, all these things are still i still have to handle all these things um and also work as a teacher in a school so that i can help also support these things um but it's it's really it's really it's really getting tough um but we are definitely still committed to to seeing this through um as far as as long as we can of course of course disconcerting um all right Jane, so how would you I'd like to see, see things progress over the next three to four years once things start to stabilize once again and hopefully things can get back to something more like more like normal what sort of trends and things can we hope for okay um for me i mean there are certain things i'm really looking forward to really really hoping hoping to, um hoping towards um i mean for example um number one capacity i need to gain as much experience and much capacity build as much capacity as i can um, I've written to the South African Johannesburg Wildlife Veterinary Service, even if I could come over there, um, spend a few time, maybe training, first aid on a certain, on certain kind of principles, I would want to do that. So that's me. These are the steps I'm willing to take now to, to build that much capacity for the wildlife back here in Nigeria. I also talked about coming to... Um, coming to the UK, I've been coming to the UK to gain some experiences also, and um, as much uh, as much supplies we can also get when it comes to dealing with certain kind of animals. I know we can help here, um, but we are not currently doing so because we lack those um, supplies. That's what I'm so looking forward to in the nearest future that we're going to ensure that we're able to do that and see how we can support that also. Then um, I earlier talked about expansion like we we, we we are definitely looking for how to expand our, pro, uh, our our space so that we can work with more wildlife um different kinds of species so that because we the problems are there and there really isn't anywhere that problem can be um alleviated if we do not step in um to to help and we are definitely looking forward to doing that also so that we can help in our own way to 
conserve and support this the work um, for wildlife conservation here also in Nigeria. So I'm really, really hopeful. And with the, with the respect to education also, definitely still working hard on that, um, creating more initiatives, more um, programs to involve the young people, to get the young people. Because you see, the, if just I think one strength we have here in Nigeria is just if you can utilize the force of the young people, get the young people involved to, to, to in doing every kind of thing possible so that we can also help support um, and raise our voices for wildlife here in Nigeria. So we do have quite a lot of things planned for the future and a lot of expectations. And we are definitely hopeful um, to achieving every one of them. Um, and uh, hopefully also making new collaborations, um, better collaborations, you know, certain things, so just to ensure that um, um, the work we are doing is, is recognized, supported, and um, we move uh, provide all the best care we can provide for the wildlife. Yeah. Yes, and finally, Chinedi, where can people find you if they want to support you or, or your work? Okay, um, so we are, um, you can find, you can connect with us on LinkedIn, um, on the Greenfingers Wildlife Initiative, or our website also is there, greenfingerswi.org. Um, um, because it's quite difficult, so you can write to us. I mean, any 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 way possible using our you can link connect to us through. If you, even if you Google Green Fingers Wildlife Initiative, you would definitely see how you can connect or contact us through our emails, um, through any of our social media handles. We'll definitely be able to um, communicate. Um, and however you would like to support, also will be amazing. I mean, we are open to every kind of support and collaboration um, that we can also help. Oh, there's one collaboration I, I didn't talk about. Um, I'm working with um, Bernard. Um, I mean, he's, um, he's, he's in charge of Mojo streaming. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, a pro, it's a kind of online platform or videos where um, we are working. So every day what we do is that we, we talk different kinds of wildlife um, weekly, some of the challenges they face um, and it's it's it, we've been we've been we've been so far we have done we've done about four episodes of this work just talking about our wildlife and putting ourselves out there to to the public and so it's been it's been an awesome um, um, journey so and I'm really grateful for his, um, his, his initiative and um, trying to just get that information out there. And we are also very willing to support that um, movement. Fantastic. Shinedo, thank you for your time. Good to see you thank once you again. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you.